It is my duty and responsibility as a consultant cardiologist and public health campaigner to urgently inform doctors, patients and members of the public that the COVID mRNA vaccine has likely played a significant role or been a primary cause of unexpected cardiac arrests, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrhythmias and heart failure since 2021 until proven otherwise. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Hey, January 3rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Wasn't actually planning on getting to a show today. There's a bunch of other stuff I was going to do around the scenes, but I, I felt it was necessary to cover this in particular. One, because we've been talking about the collapsing athlete discussion since 2021, and, you know, proving not that we can say every single person collapsing therefore was because of the jab, but that this was an obvious problem. And that's what the whole collapsing athlete hashtag, at least as we're using it means another collapsing athlete. Do we know it's the vaccine? Of course not. How could we possibly know that? But is it a likely question to answer the title today? Of course, it's appropriate to ask this question. And what's amazing to me is even if you think it's insensitive, even if you think it's, you know, disrespectful, it's still your right to ask the question. Like this idea that we're supposed to be afraid to upset somebody so we're not allowed to ask a question whether or not they think it's valid. If you think it's valid, you always have the right to ask the question, any question. That's called free speech. But the point is the data, which we'll go over yet again today, the evidence, the experts speaking out, the current peer-reviewed science and the old science around this makes it undeniably clear. Nobody can deny that there is an unprecedented amount, unprecedented amount of athletes just specifically athletes, but when you include the children and other angles of this, it gets unbearable. But an unprecedented number of athletes that have a cardiac arrest, many of which died, some of them just had cardiac arrest while playing and, and peripherally in this conversation. Now, the injection is a secondary part of that conversation. And of course, seeing as how they've admitted, even if they want to pretend it's rare, that these injections can cause myocarditis, heart problems, heart attacks, blood clots. But then when something like this happens and they go, could it be that, that you're shouted down as a maniac? How does that even make sense? If it's possible, then obviously it should be included as a possibility. That's just basic. But today, what you're seeing is even people that maybe otherwise have made grandiose statements that are not backed up by the facts are simply coming out and going, look at what just happened, pointing at DeMar, uh, DeMar I believe, and saying, and saying a lot of athletes collapsing lately. I think Charlie Kirk, it's exactly what he said. And there's three different articles written right now in the corporate media about the disgusting anti-vax statement that he anti-vax statement. He simply said a lot of athletes are collapsing. Now, you may pretend or assume, which is the main point, that you know what he's thinking, sort of like we go wink, wink, nudge, nudge about whatever else they want you to do in the two party paradigm. That's how this game goes. Think Twitter files, think Ukraine fake news. It's all wink, wink. Here's what you're supposed to think. Take it at face value. This is the problem today. Now, look, my opinion has been very clear. I think it's an obvious, as Dr. Holter will tell you, as Dr. Hodgkinson will tell you, as Dr. Cole, Dr. 
McCullough, all these highly regarded experts, cardiologists, doctor, scientists telling you that they think very clearly this is at least a part. Then you can show again the science and we'll go through it, the statistics, the numbers across the board showing you that this is obviously a fair question. So all we've ever said is why nobody seems to care about that. If your angle is only to shout down that the vaccine is not the culprit, then what else is it? That's all I care about. I think it's undeniable that something that can cause heart attacks, you know, maybe played a role in a heart attack. <laughs> Call me crazy. But that's all I'm asking. And when I share this and say hashtag collapsing athletes, my point is to highlight the problem. And people flip out about that. And I think that shows you something in this conversation, the over emotional reaction over the top. I mean, even just posting the video itself, people respond and say, and I'll show you and say, let's not speculate. And it's like, who? there's not even any words in here yet. You're assuming what you think my intentions are. The point is that kind of over the top reaction shows you that they already know without you even having to say it. We're all aware of the elephant in the room. And the fact that it's so aggressively shot down before anybody even brings it up kind of shows something, doesn't it? We see these ridiculous arguments about watching too much TV, playing too many games, eating cold drinks or having cold drinks, having hot drinks, having cold days, having hot days, having happy heart syndrome, as somebody mentions in the chat, all of which they're using to say that's why these things are happening. And it's all completely grasping at straws when none of it adds up to the unprecedented amount of problems that we're seeing. Just on a quick side note, how about the, pot, the, the overlap of the unprecedented excess death that we all seem baffled about? Except it's not really baffling when you understand the gigantic elephant in the room that nobody wants to acknowledge is at least a possibility. Because if you don't exclude, include all the possibilities, well, you're then very clearly not going to have all the answers. So let's go through this today and do my best to encapsulate what has been three years of work and understanding what is obviously a problem here. And thank God we've got more experts, scientists and doctors coming out and admitting this is clearly part of the problem that I hopefully I can do this in a way to encapsulate all that, that, e that is easily shareable. But let's start off with, uh, oops, I forgot to actually grab the screen share before I got started here. Let's start off with the story itself. Let me correct the window really quickly because this drives me crazy. And we'll go through some important information as well as some peripheral stuff that I think is just relevant to this general conversation. So first of all, Damar Hamlin in critical condition, 24-year-old, after suffering cardiac arrest. Now that at first was even pushed back on. You know, because the point is that it's, it's interesting because the whole point about this that I'm really not going to go too deep into. First of all, the question posed in the title is whether, you know, is it appropriate to ask the question? Obviously, that's a yes, always. Always appropriate, especially when there's a, a, a you know, a intervention in the mix that has been known to cause exactly what just happened. So obviously you can say, could it be, but just saying, could it be the injection causes people to literally cause, I'll show you an example of people getting death threats for simply asking the question. But then it was revealed that yes, it was cardiac arrest. Now the argument of why the hit played a role becomes almost fantasy. The, the possibility. Yes. But very, very, very slim possibility that the hit happened at the right exact moment when the heart was in a certain sequence. And that's when it caused it. Yeah, that's possible. But you know what is far more statistically possible? The thing that could cause heart attacks that they all had to take that we now know it seems he was indeed injected because of the team and everything else. But my point is always is that that's not really the primary factor in regarding this conversation. Like, it's easy these days to argue that seemingly most people have engaged with this because most of them have been manipulated, forced into it, coerced, threatened. So it's odd that it becomes almost over the top to not 
if most people have been injected, it's kind of an, I mean, the NFL, for example, has something like a 94% vaccination rate. So it's kind of not a hard thing, but we still shouldn't assume. But it's kind of not a hard thing to see that this is most likely. But anyway, the point being to get into it is suffering cardiac arrest. So that is what happened. And he's in critical condition, as I understand it right now, or rather just in, in not really necessarily, it's, if they say critical condition here, but I'm getting conflicted information from people arguing that they're in touch with people. And, you know, that's how this works when you're in the middle of it. But as far as we can tell, it seems like critical condition. He's not doing well. And I'll get to the, the Steve Kirch post where they argue that it, 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 people on the inside in the know are saying that he's never coming back, which is pretty upsetting. But here's the clip, first of all. I want, what I think is important to understand here, guys. Now, look, my personal experience, I played football my whole life. Now, obviously, I'm not an, a tall person. <laughs> so uh, after high school, it didn't happen for me. But the point is that I played from Pop Warner really young, all the way, every single year, right up until my senior year of high school. So I'm, I'm familiar with what now, not NFL level, never played even at college. So I obviously gets far and far more intense and, and a lot harder hitting. But my point is that we, we it's, it's, you know, uh, it's uh, relative, right? We're smaller. We're all hitting as hard. The point is that the hit you're going to see here is pretty normal. And that's being acknowledged by, I mean, everybody engaging with this, the, the other football players, anybody, this is a very average hit. Now, does that mean that it couldn't have caused this in and of itself? No, it's certainly possible, as we said. But the idea that it happened exactly the way that they're discussing it, this very, very, very rare thing that had to have a hit at exactly the right moment of right when the heart was in the certain thing, it's, it's rare and very, very, I forget the number, something like one in a million, one in a billion, some ra rare concept. That's not what I'm getting into today. That's obviously possible, and that's fine with me. My point is that we're not allowed to ask whether it's something else when this hit does not seem very intense. And what happens, even by the corporate media, is that he stands back up and then passes right out. And then almost, I mean, it looks like the point is, I guess he almost died. They, they gave him CPR for nine minutes, and the argument is that because of that, they actually saved his life. Good on them. And good on them for doing it for nine minutes. Think about that. These people out there doing that, like that's think about who people would have given up before that. And apparently that's what saved his life. But that's what we're hearing from corporate media. So let's watch the clip just so you guys can see the hit and realize that this is being wildly overblown. Oh, that's right. It plays it over. Right here. It's a pretty normal hit, guys. Happens literally every game. Hops back up, passes out, collapses, in other words. Okay. What's interesting is that, you know, so in this case, we, we're, we're being pushed back on in emotional fashion for simply going, you know, could this be something? But what's interesting is that the, the people are on the other side of this willing and totally allowable apparently to assume in every possible direction and say oh look the hit was not very not very hard but people are arguing like it's some kind of grant the, the biggest hit we've ever seen that's kind of the narrative we're seeing on social media and that it was because the shoulder hit just right in a certain spot and it caused this like they've they've gotten this they, apparently the script was written a long time ago everybody has their marching orders when when anybody who knows this and is actually in in the played or involved in the sport knows that that doesn't make sense that happens all the time exactly like that still certainly a possibility now all i said was here's the clip pretty normal hit hashtag collapsing athletes now of course people think they know what i mean by that but as always you know hashtag twitter files people are assuming these days because that's what they're being trained to do 
and everybody freaks out down here about how the, and I just, the, oh, I don't have to read them all, but the ultimate point is just my response to most of these are, you know, basically just that I, they're acting like I shouldn't be assuming. And I'm like, what do you think you're reading here? He clearly collapsed. Did he not? Is he not an athlete? It was clearly a normal hit. It's obviously a clip. So I don't know what people think they're trying to read into. Because honestly, I'm not suggesting I know. You guys know this show. You've watched me. Even my own audience gets irritated with me for being irritatingly objective. I don't know because we don't have all the facts just yet. Same reason I'm not. We haven't sourced material for Twitter files. So I don't know. I'm arguing that it's obvious that this is something we should be asking. And that he is collapsing. If it's not the vaccine, then what is it? So now that you guys have seen that, they are still arguing as of the last stuff that I've seen. Uh, and this is actually yesterday, but more stuff coming up today that this is an injury. Now, I guess it's, or you could argue that that makes sense, even if it is the injection. But the way that they're framing it is just they've acted like they've already got it figured out. And it's an injury caused by the hit when we're being shouted down for acting like it's something else that's also possible. So when nobody knows, they're allowed to come to a conclusion without all the information. But when we are simply asking. We're the ones committing some kind of egregious fault. But then, of course, there are also people out there that jump to conclusions. And I think they're equally in the wrong to go. We know it's the jab. Well, we don't know that. Do I agree that it's the most likely? Yes, I very clearly do. That's my opinion, though. But I'm also willing to balance that with the fact that I don't have all the information. And this could be something else because that's the truth. So everybody assuming on any side of this is wrong. But is it fair to say that this is a possibility? Yes, my, I would say it's fair to say that it's a highly likely possibility, but that's my opinion based on the science we're going to show you next. My friend sent me this in general, simply saying, an NFL's player, NFL player's terrifying injury, comma, new strain of Omicron sweeps the U.S. So what he, we were saying on the phone is essentially it's saying, essentially it's saying, an NFL player's terrifying injury, new strain of Omicron sweeps the U.S. So dangerous injury that's not the vaccine, but then also here, get the vaccine. <laughs> You know, it's just very, it's, and then, or, or maybe kind of it's insinuating that it might have been COVID or something else. But this, the way that they're pushing this is interesting to me. Now, here's, here's what I was saying before here, so you guys can actually read it. Paywalls, you know, because that's what successful outlets do. Never used to. Simplified article. So what they're saying on the Washington Post is the inevitable, grotesque effort to blame vaccines for DeMar Hamlin's collapse. This was today. The grotesque effort. Do you know it's not the vaccine? They don't know that. They're assuming that because they've already made their minds up that it's not even possible, despite the fact that they've also admitted that it's clearly possible. Work that one out for yourself. But what's interesting is that they're over-the-top, grotesque effort to blame it. Now, there's plenty of us out here, like you just heard, me included, that it's going, well, I don't know yet. Is it possible? Obviously. And to them, that's a grotesque effort right there. How dare you suggest it's possible? Well, it is possible. But the whole effort is to undermine this whole thing and the example I made before is that people like even Charlie Kirk simply just said, we're seeing a lot of athletes collapse. And there's this the articles written about what a gross anti-vaxxer he is. And it, whether or not you think that's the case, whether that is the case, his tweet simply said something we all see. I mean, for crying out loud, Dr. Maholcher, we just played in the beginning, is making that very clear. He's one of the most highly regarded cardiologists in this discussion, alongside people like Dr. McCullough. And apparently they don't matter. Apparently people on the news who don't have the same medical degrees are more in the know. Why? Because they got their marching orders from the government or from the people above them or whatever else. Why wouldn't we be listening to the experts with the highest credentials? Not blindly following, but at least considering what they have to say. But according to them, we're not supposed to. Here's Sanjay Gupta offering his thoughts on uh, basically the 
heart issue thing we were just discussing. So let's play this really quickly. Oh, that's right. Let me see if it's loud enough. Yeah, here, let's play it right here. Now, also, I thought it was interesting. Now, yes, they do cover these things on the corporate media. But the way they're covering this today, very seriously and very like, like this is breaking news. With all that's going on in the world, with wars and Russia, Ukraine and and everything, (laughs) the the way that they're acting like this is like the leading story kind of says something, doesn't it? When's the last time you had an athlete have an injury that they're claiming is a total, it's a, you know, a serious and fluke injury, but an injury, nonetheless, in the context of a sports game. That happens quite often, actually. Maybe not this extreme, but when's the last time you saw all of the corporate media break down breaking news and here's the day-to-day, moment-to-moment, here's the new update and what's happening with it? That's what's going on right now. Why? Because I think there's far more, they're aware, there's far more around this story than they want you to recognize. That's my opinion. Doctor, what's your reaction to this and the possibility? We don't know for sure that it's this commodio cordis. That's what they're talking about. Well, it's, it's very emotional to watch. First of all, you know, I was at the hospital yesterday and everyone was, was talking about this. And uh, that was the suspicion at that time that somehow he had suffered some sort of cardiac arrest uh, on the field. Which and is that what happened. Due to this sudden blow to the chest, uh, commodio cortis, uh, as it's called, which is a really rare situation. I mean, this is something that you hear about maybe a couple of dozen times a year. Which, by the way. Even their stats about myocarditis, heart attack, blood clot, strokes, and everything else because of the injection are way higher than that. So think about that, right? This 24-year-old has a cardiac arrest in the middle of the field. They pause the entire game, which, by the way, is wildly unprecedented. And the way they regard this now, and yet they're going to go, it could be this wildly rare, super, super fluke concept that can only happen if it's exactly the right settings and the hit happened exactly at the right moment with the heart. And that's the narrative? Versus what we can prove is literally happening elsewhere. Hundreds of thousands of VAERS reports, thousands of VAERS reports about the exact same thing. Doctors speaking up saying this is exactly what's happening. Studies that can prove that this is a high rank thing. My God. And they're going to lean into something that's even less likely. Why? Because they're terrified to even consider that it could be the thing that they've been screaming you have to take the entire time. Again, I'm not saying I know for sure, but the way that they conduct themselves makes it pretty damn clear that they think there's a problem and they don't want to talk about it. Why else would you lean into something that's less statistically possible? Because they just don't want to engage with the facts. This is not trusting the science. This is trusting the narrative. And not typically in in football, but more, as you see there on the screen, sports like baseball, where you get a small projectile uh, that travels at a high rate of speed. Exactly. Hits the chest at the right spot um, at the at the wrong time, essentially, and causes the heart to to go into this abnormal heart rhythm here. I'll just show you on a model here. It's it's you, you think about the chest wall and then the and the projectile or, or the blow coming to the heart at that exact time when the heart is beating in a very particular way. Um, and that causes the heart to go into this abnormal heart rhythm known as ventricular fibrillation. Yes, and it has to be a, a wildly specific moment and exact position. And, and that's the odds of that are wildly unlikely, especially for, for, foot, for, for baseball, but especially for football, especially for people in this position, especially with a hit that's not that serious. And everybody around them can acknowledge the hit was not that. The guy jumped right back up. If the hit was as serious enough to cause that kind of damage, Typically, with a hit that causes any kind of damn or any kind of, you know, a hit that's harder than usual, you see it on them. People know this to play the sport. They wait, they're slow getting up. They've the guy hopped back up and bounced and then collapsed right back down. Now we're going to get into what the experts are talking about. 
to people that are well aware of what is really going on and willing to honestly engage with all of the information that this is something that's happening with athletes because of the adrenaline, because of the positions that they're in. And I think it's really important to understand that there is science around this. People want to push back because they're afraid. We're talking peer reviewed science guys that backs up. This is real. What would have happened? And that wasn't known at the time. When I say that, meaning the idea that these athletes are collapsing due to the injection again, do we know that's what happened to him specifically? No, we don't know that yet. I think so based on a lot of factors, but I don't know that for sure. And I wouldn't say I could prove that. Obviously, we, they didn't know what was happening to him. A lot of times you suspect, and I'm a brain guy, but you suspect a brain or a spinal cord injury. Uh, but given that he had stood up and he was standing up for a little bit before he staggered and fell back, it made a spinal cord uh, injury less likely and a cardiac arrest more likely. What we learned overnight from Adrian and others reporting is that, in fact, it was cardiac arrest. And also critically important that they were able to start restart his heart on the field. Now, the, the main point there is, is the issue that they're claiming, or rather the one that they want to lean into. I just want to really stress the idea the statistical possibility of what they're talking about is far less likely than the idea that an injection that they've admitted and peer-reviewed science has statistically shown you is likely to cause. One in 5,500, no, five, one in 555 is what we just talked about. I'm going to get to the studies again in a minute. The one showing you that, one, the overall risk of COVID in general has never been as severe as they've been telling you, according to the Ionitis Group and the most peer-reviewed study, and the fact that, in general, that these injections are far more likely to cause the problems that they're talking about, but the idea overall that the risk of this causing exactly what we're talking about has been shown, specifically adverse events, but then even more specifically, myocarditis, blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, all of it. The stats are... a blatantly more likely, even with what they're trying to say compared to what we're talking about here. It's just, it's mind-blowing. So here is what somebody references about Dr. Peter McCullough said. Now, he says we don't know if he's vaccinated, but I'm pretty sure that has been shown to be the case now. And I'll show you what I mean for m- numerous reasons. But we should, But again, my point is it doesn't even, re- it does matter. But the, in the point that I'm trying to relay here, it shouldn't really make a difference whether or not we're allowed to have this conversation, which obviously is clear that we are, but the the way that it's being pushed back on. Like at this point, we don't even need to prove they were vaccinated to recognize that there's a dramatic, catastrophic problem happening here. But he says, but we should pose the question. If he was vaccinated, could it have been underlying cause of the collapse? Dr. Peter McCullough wrote, I watched the play live, both as a fan and a cardiologist, and I saw blunt neck and chest trauma, a brief recovery after the tackle, and then classic cardiac arrest. I have communicated to one of the most experienced trainers in the world, and we agree that it was a cardiac arrest in the setting of a big surge of adrenaline. Now, I'm going to play you a clip that he talks about this. If Damar Hamlin indeed took one of the COVID-19 vaccines, then some clinical vaccine-induced myocarditis must be considered in the differential diagnosis. You know, just a casual statement from the leading the leading cardiologist has the most peer review or most cited cardiologist in the world. We have been told he was successfully and that was pre-COVID, by the way. We have been told he was successfully defibrillated on the field and has been intubated and is not spontaneously breathing, which is consistent with anoxic encephalopathy. The nation prays for his complete recovery. Isn't that last part interesting? Why aren't we hearing that on the corporate media? At least that I'm not. It's consistent with what he's talking about. Maybe that's why they leave that part out. Just a thought. Now, here's his study down here. We'll come back to that in a second. I want to read first what what Steve Kirch is writing. And then we'll get to these clips from Dr. McCullough. 
Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest and will not make a full recovery. That's according to Steve Kirsch. And he's saying it was announced in the hospital as of this morning or last night, excuse me, that Hamlin is not expected to make a full recovery. Doesn't mean he won't, but that's what they're saying. Now, now Steve Kirsch is arguing that he's proven that Hamlin is vaccinated. The Buffalo Bills, he says, was 100% vaccinated team. Now, I'm not able to find that in just quick research. It looks like at least in 2021, middle of the year, they were getting kind of criticized for being one of the lower end vaccination rates. But I do believe since then, a lot has happened. One of the most important facts being long since then, we know that 93% of the entire NFL is injected. Okay. So it's pretty obvious to assume that it's a high likelihood. But the point is that apparently the Buffalo Bills, as numerous people are arguing, has been reached 100% vaccination. But it says, I also got a Twitter DM from someone who knows, and this is completely on Steve's what he's saying and he's heard based on his reputation. I got a Twitter DM from someone who knows this for a fact, who asked that I do not disclose his identity. So that's up in the air, right? It's Steve's arguing that he knows for sure because he knows someone who told him. That's an anonymous source. Doesn't mean it's fake, but just consider that, right? It's the point is that person could be wrong. We don't know, but I think it's pretty clear that it's a high likelihood at the very least. This is a shame since we know, we now know, thanks to my readers, that there is no death benefit to the vaccines. And I'll go through these studies again. It's very clear. Now, before that, he updated saying this was this was called unprecedented on ASPN. Now, realize what they're talking about. They're not talking about the hit. The hit was normal. That's they're talking about how the way this all went down. The fact that it was a reasonably normal hit that he got back up, collapsed and was just done. Nine minutes of CPR. People were crying. They suspend the game. Everything about this was never seen this before. And we're acting like no big deal, nothing to see here, normal day with pre-COVID day. No, though everybody responds with this stuff in a, in, in a very unique way right now, which shows you there's a problem that we don't want to acknowledge. It's unprecedented because there's an unprecedented series of events that's happened over the last three years. Hamlin has been intubated and currently lists his critical condition. All the announcers said they've never seen it in the NFL. What happened because of that normal hit? It was a joint decision by both the NFL and players to stop the game. This is unprecedented. One of my nurse friends wrote, how often has a young, healthy football player that didn't take a hard hit had a heart attack or stroke? It's amazing that the argument quickly became that it was the the biggest hit we've ever seen. Mostly people that don't even understand football and ever played and think that any, the point is then they go to, well, they're big people and they have a lot of momentum. Well, yeah, that's football. It's always a hard hit. The point is it wasn't any more of a hit than we've normally seen in any other stretch of any other game. Attacker really made his heart stop. How? This is a nurse speaking. After decades of hard hits in the NFL, this has never happened. Or rather, that's Steve saying that. CPR was administered for nine minutes. Normal was three to five minutes. After 10, you're basically dead. McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough said that, I, 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 by the way, I often say Dr. Peter McCullough, his full name, just so people don't confuse it with Mercola. Just so people wonder why I often say his full name when I don't need to. But it said that we will not know for 24 hours whether he will bounce back. He could make a full recovery. Let's remember now the update above says that he's hearing that's not going to be the case. Then I read to you what, what Dr. Peter McCullough wrote. We just wrote that, read that up there. Peter got right three hours after he said that. The Buffalo Bills confirmed he was correct. Suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field and he was transferred to. And Yeah, so they're just confirming it. Now it says, note that uh, McCull- uh, McCullough originally speculated that the injury that Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin was due to a uh, coma, uh, the one they're talking about, the uh, comotio cordis, a phenomenon in which the sudden blunt impact of the chest causes sudden death in the absence of cardiac damage. 
The time delay from the hit until the collapse expect, expected in uh, uh, Commodio Cordis. <laughs> Peter believes that the ventricular uh, uh, tra uh, tachycardia and, and ventricular fibrillation could have been set up by the vaccine if he took it. Hamlin was shocked back to rhythm. He now has an uh, anoxic encephalopathy. He's in critical condition in the hospital. You can, uh, you can, uh, oh, you watch the clip there for yourself. And he's making the same points here for me. The point is that, you know, obviously we have a right to ask these questions. We have a right to be concerned about this because obviously it says it now appears that the vaccine likely played a very, a very major role in his injury until proven otherwise. This is simply based on statistics. I mean, you just, you, know, you don't get to just shout down a story because you don't agree with it. Like, this is my point from before. You're pointing at something statistically that's far less likely. And acting like that makes more sense because because we know it's not this. Well, no, we don't know that. The facts are clear on the other side of this. Now, here's a clip, Dr. Peter McCullough, making clear the adrenaline part of this. Now, let me just grab this real quick. I forgot to download this before we started. The, the adrenaline part of this is important because people wonder why this is happening, right? Why are we seeing uh, doctor, or rather uh, athletes have these kind of responses in the field, high-level athletes, because we're seeing a lot of it. And this is why, at least in his opinion, I find this very, very convincing with all the rest of the information that we have. Learned us the highest risk group is age 18 to 24. Uh, in men, 90% of these cases are young men, as shown by Scharf and colleagues in the preprint server system. And then a report by Gill and colleagues from Connecticut, Connecticut coroners, backed up by analyses from the University of Michigan and the University of Wisconsin Pathology, published in one of the best pathology journals, Archives of Pathology, two young boys, 16 and 17, they take Pfizer and they die on days three and four after the Pfizer shot. They're found dead at home. And the parents are horrified and they call for an autopsy. And the autopsies show, indeed, the kids died of vaccine-induced myocarditis. But the interesting finding is the histopathology looked like there was an overlay of what's called catecholamine toxicity. There must have been a surge of adrenaline. <clears throat> now, this may have been from antecedent uh, athletic activity. We don't know. Or it could just be in the throes of dying, the struggle of these boys. They died at home. Their parents weren't there, uh, struggling for the last breaths of, of life before they died of the vaccine. Uh, that could have been the surge of catecholamines. Uh, but lead investigator... Uh, Dr. Flavio Catagiani from Brasilia, Brazil. I just interviewed him on the McCullough Report. Uh, he believes it's perfectly consistent with the hypothesis that the vaccine sets up the heart inflammation, which can be very subtle. In fact, some of it can have no symptoms whatsoever. And then it's the big surge of adrenaline during a soccer game or during a basketball game. No symptoms whatsoever. Remember that for the next clip I'm going to play. Uh, during sports that's triggering these deaths. And boy, that theory fits. And he has a paper out in the preprint server system uh, outlining how that really happens. And uh, now uh, today, it's on my Twitter feed. Uh, there's a school, uh, school physician office that said that no child will play until they have blood tests to see if they have heart inflammation. So now the vaccine is creating extra medical procedures, even for clearance before Athletics And now three countries, uh, certainly in Canada, Hospital for Sick Children, the UK, as well as Australia, the government authorities have issued guidelines for doctors, largely cardiologists like myself, to follow for screening, detection, and management of vaccine-induced myocarditis. 
It's as if this heart damage occurring the vaccines is now becoming a normal part of medical life right. for cardiologists. And this is why they're putting defibrillators in, in parks and, and preschools. I mean, it's just, it's just so disgustingly obvious. Now, there's two things, the symptoms we talked about. But first, I want to make a point that I, I keep forgetting to make, which is that pre-COVID and pre-all the injection studies and, and people like Dr. Peter McCullough using what he called, I think was the Bradford, Bradford Hill uh, something, I always forget what that is. The, the criteria he uses to, ba- uh, uh, causality criteria, to basically show that he's meeting these certain tenets of causality to prove that this is clearly due to the injection. My point though is in the beginning, I referenced the Pittsburgh, uh, I think it was the Pittsburgh lead medical examiner who spoke on the record and said, well, if we have somebody who had an injection, they come in with a problem and we do, or after the fact, and we do an autopsy and we can't find any reason that they had the problem that we're seeing, that's usually an indication that it was the injection. He was saying vaccine at the time. And you couldn't say that today. The point was that was logic. Bradford Hill, thank you. And so the point is that that's interesting that when you don't have any explanation. But what's happened since then is a lot of these doctors who are aware of the problem have used things like this to outline things you can use to verify, to create, to you to have criteria to align this with to decide whether or not it is causing it. Now that we have consistency, real world data, and so on. So that's what's shifted. So now we've got these doctors that are willing and able to write this down on the, on the death certificate and on their research. This is vaccine induced. Like the guy, the, uh, the division one golfer. Remember the guy who was, I forget what school he was for, but he got myocarditis. He, he's never going to play again. He, he got, his doctor literally wrote down vaccine induced myocarditis on the information. He got censored on TikTok for talking, holding up, to, talking about what his doctor told him. Literally proving his doctor said this and he still gets censored for fake news. <laughs> the guy's never going to play golf. What's a sad story. Now, anyway, the point here is that, the, that it, they've just clearly established this is causing this and it can. Now, on top of that, remember what he said, though, is a lot of these people are having this and they, the symptoms aren't very clear. There's another clip I dug up that I forgot we played before that's very important. Dr. Malone was discussing this exact topic with a doctor who has worked with these NFL players. Remember this clip? Before this, he has in, he's one of the leading people in this field, and he's telling you that these NFL players, because they get regularly tested and screened, are all, they're, they're showing that information coming back, showing you that I think he says 50% of them have these, uh, what's it, not subclinical, what's it called? The, the underlying, they can tell they've got some level of myocarditis, but the symptoms aren't showing. Oh, listen to it for yourself. I mean, th- this is damning to what we're seeing today. Kirk, you're probably the most uh, qualified physician scientist I've encountered for talking about pediatric uh, damage to the heart associated with both the virus and the vaccine. Um, In your opinion, if we have the mandates deployed in the state of California that Governor Newsom has signed into law, are we going to see significant numbers of death in, in damaged hearts in California from the vaccines? Well, I, I, th- well, I, I think depending on how many people they get to take it. Um, yeah. I think the number is just a numbers game. I think as you look around the world, we're getting down to a number of somewhere between one and 3000, one and 6,000. If we, which has gone dramatically up and I'll show you that in the newest studies, but even that, even that is catastrophic. The idea that we're talking one in three, one in 5,000, 6,000. So every 6,000 injections, somebody's getting myocarditis. I mean, my God, I mean, there's no way that is a r- benefits outweigh the risk scenario, especially again with the newest data showing us that this has never been worse than the flu ever peer reviewed. 
out, out as the last couple of days. I'll show you again when we get through this. We allow those kids to stay active and play. I think there's a lot of myocarditis that is under the radar. A recent study on elite athletes out of the Big Ten showed that when they looked at the, the cardiac MRI of the elite athletes, almost 50% had, or around 50% had um, myocarditis that couldn't be, wasn't known by symptoms, um, but was seen on cardiac MRI. And that puts them at risk for sudden death. Uh, so I, I think that it, as we ramp this up for really um, to try to get everyone like the mandate in California to get you have to have a vaccine in order to go to mm. school, then I think by what we see around the world, then the numbers of myocarditis cases will go up and we may we may have an increase in sudden cardiac death associated with myocarditis just in kids playing on the field. Hmm. So I, I, I actually misspoke on that uh, because. I'm remembering this interview. Hold on one sec so I can grab this so I can make this clear. The great interview I had with Adam. Uh, the point is, he's obviously, that what you heard him say there, he's not involved with the NFL. He was, uh, here we go, Adam Rowland is, that this is what I was thinking about. I've, conf- I've conflated the two. The point is, he is uh, involved with the pediatric side of this, but he is aware of the studies showing you of these high-level athletes. So he, but as you heard Dr. Malone say, he's one of the most highly regarded people in this field. So he knows what he's talking about. But the other part of this was here, what I just looked up. I interviewed Adam Rowland, who is vaccine injured himself, who works with these NFL players, who works with high level athletes. He is the one exposing this right now. He has, he's going through it himself. And please check this interview out because he's struggling right now and he definitely needs support. A lot of these people do because they're not being listened to. But as the title says, those injured by COVID-19 jabs are being ignored, ridiculed and suppressed. It's a sad story. It's, pr- it's very emotional. But the point here, going back to Dr. Peter McCullough's point, is, and this, guys, I think is the most important point of this. Like, this is a part, people should clip out, make this clear. This is, this is the evidence of why right now, whether injection or not, whether injection or not, that we are past the level that was previously normal. If that was ever normal, by the way, who knows if it was be caused by flu shots before this or something else? Oh, no. Conspiracy theory. The point is that right now, based on the studies we're going to show you, NIH study and a FIFA study, they both show you the numbers we're now seeing are way past that. So if it's not the injection, then please tell me what's going on. And if you just want to say we don't know, then let's not pretend like we if you don't know, then how do you know it's not the injection? See, it's just it's mind blowing. But here's he says, Dr. Peter McCullough says this recent paper from Dr. Uh, Poli Cretus and myself, gets the sharp rise in athlete deaths into PubMed since vaccination. And this is what they can prove. I, I, I feel like it's more than this, to be quite honest, but let's just go with what they can prove. 1,598 athletes since vaccination began suffered cardiac arrest, 1,101 of them with deadly outcomes. Over a prior 38 years, from 1966 to 2004, 1,101 athletes less than the age of 35. Now, here, here, just so it's clear, here, oh, this is what I played before. Here is the actual post, or actual, he, he's showing you the study. I'll just show it to you right here. This is rational harm benefit assessments by age group and required for continued COVID vaccination. For some reason, I, I don't know why this is, you can't, this study you just can't find other than this PDF because it won't let you read it. It's weird. It says, Read the full text and you have to pay for it, which is, that's frustrating. I don't know why this stuff wouldn't be publicly available, but yeah, I, I was able to find the PDF to download. Now, here's what it says. Here's what he is highlighting for you. First of all, from January 2021 to the time of writing, 
1,598 athletes suffered cardiac arrest, and we just read this, 1,101 of which with deadly outcome due to various heart-related conditions. Next part. Since the end of 2021 and throughout 2022, young age excess mortality has substantially increased in many European countries in concert with the vaccine program. Now, you can read the rest of the study for yourself. The point I want to make is just simply taking this number. Okay, so this is easy to prove because the data is in the study. You can look at it for yourself. It's peer reviewed. 1,598. Okay, and let's just let's give it it's, it's 2021 to 2022 or rather, you know, both two years. Okay, let's look at the science we've looked at before. This is one from National Library of Medicine, NIH, PubMed, a 10 year review. Now, by the way, guys, if you forgot, I've been going over this since the since 2021. Here's a bunch of discussions, collapsing athletes, children dying from sudden death. You know, this is back when nobody, very few were talking about this. Jay Wilderness is making great videos. I think the expose has been talking about this. But, you know, now it's becoming more and more prominent. So as always, demonstrating our value for we're far ahead of talking about some of these discussions here is the first study published in 2018. A ten, oh, dang it. Son of a gun. Lost my highlighting. I don't think, yeah, it doesn't matter. There wasn't that much highlighted. The point is, again, 2018, 10-year review. So what do you think it says? It says a total of just under 20,000 autopsies were completed in the study period. 12,395 in subjects 18 to 65, and 385 in the subject 7 to 17. But here's the point. There were 201, 201, 10 years, sports-related adult deaths at an incident rate of 0.76 to 0.49 per 100,000 participant years. 201 sports-related deaths. That's it, though. That's the incident rate of 0.76 to 1.49 per 100,000 participant years. If you're wondering, we're gigantically over that number. Just to, okay, if we're talking about a 10-year review, you know, to, to be specific here, we're talking about, uh, where was it? Right here. The study was to characterize the demographics and, and basically during sports in Australia. So we're just talking about Australia. And I'll show you the FIFA one next, which goes over multiple continents. But so we're talking 201. That's just to give you a frame of reference. So we're talking 201 compared to what they're finding is 1,598 in a two-year period. We're talking 201 in a 10-year period. Sounds like a hell of a lot more, doesn't it? Here's the, this is even more clear. This is December 2020. FIFA sudden death registry. This one is four years. Four years, from 2014 to 2018, cases of sudden cardiac death, survived sudden cardiac arrest, and traumatic sudden death were recorded by media monitoring. A total of 617 players with sudden death were reported from 67 countries. Now, obviously, you can argue that not everything got reported and so on, but are we really going to pretend that in two years, having basically a thousand more than that, there's nothing around this, guys. There's nothing. There's no way around it. We are watching an unprecedented surge in athletes having this problem. Now, I'm not going to say that we know for sure that it's all the injection. But how in the world are we not even going to ask? We being the corporate discussion, the corporate media, the government. What does that show you? Are, how They know this is there. Are they ignoring the science? How does that make sense? Well, here's where we come into the point about what... And look, look at this, by the way. 
I find this to be pretty telling. Remember this good sciencing platform that we've been pointing out from the beginning because they're doing great work. Because all they want to pretend is, oh, it's so flimsy and it's so conspiracy theory. No, not really. Now, there are plenty of things on here that are, that are, that are reaching, but that's the point. They're doing it on purpose because they're not claiming everything on this list is guaranteed. All they're saying is, first of all, 1,616 athlete cardiac arrests, period, in general, which is interesting because that's pretty damn close to what Peter McCullough and his study just found. So good on them for being damn right and holding to the line, even while the corporate media are shouting that they're wrong. And Dr. Peter McCullough with his peer-reviewed study just basically proved them right. Not, not, not that they are all because of the injection, but because they, that it happened and they're just pretending that's not true. So we're way past this number in the studies. Then he goes on to say serious issues. 1,114 of them are die, have died since COVID injection. Not because we can prove that it happened, but the, we can prove that they got it in, in 1,114 of those cases and that then they died. That could be for any number of other reasons. And they make that clear in even the opening paragraphs here. But my main point, regardless of what you, their intentions or what they're saying, is they put source material for literally every single thing in here. Every single month broken down, every single link, usually with numerous sources, by the way, for every single one, every single one. I mean, and, and by the way, if you go far enough down, you'll find an entire category for ones that they couldn't, we couldn't prove whether or not it was they got an injection, but we do know they had a cardiac arrest and here's another category. How do you pretend that's not, that's anything but objective? Okay. But engage with it with a grain of salt, guys, because if people can make mistakes or the you know, point is this is just a, a broad sweep and showing you that these people did die since the injection. And then when we compare it to what what we would expect in a given year or four year or 10 year period, we're alarmingly over the top. Then you can realize that in 2015 and pre-COVID, the concept of this was very, very rare. Sudden cardiac arrest, rare for adults engaged in sports. Not to, you know, and the point was pre-COVID, when, when, we never saw people collapsing on the TV. We didn't see sports players, you know, very, very rarely having things like this happen or pundits or newscasters collapsing while they're speaking. Come on. Now, again... I've written about this or had shows about this numerous times. There's lots of shows in here where we covered this, you know, on the side. But, you know, these main two are the biggest ones we talked about back in 2020. This one's 2021. Both of these are November 8th, November 11th. Breaking down similar information with a lot more around it. So you can read it for yourself. Now, the real point, though, guys, is it's obvious, statistically speaking, this is a fair thing to ask. Now, as I simply pointed out when I shared this, unprecedented. As even yes, ESPN said, nine minutes of CPR, game suspended. Many arguing he died. That was just what was circulating at the time. Still unconfirmed officially. I will follow up. 24 years old, hashtag collapsing athlete. Same point. Just, just what, what's going on? And he did collapse. Obviously, he is an athlete. Now, my intentions are true, as you guys know. They don't know that, but of course, they're assuming because he wrote collapsing athletes. He must think this. No, it's obvious that we're asking the question. But if you go through this again, you'll see the same point. You'll see the pushback and the people arguing that you're insensitive or that you're wrong. I mean, it's, it's just wild. Eric Spracklin says he deleted his tweet that mentioned if that basically simply asked, had he been vaccinated? Not not saying we know for sure, just asking the question. And he says wild that even questioning it has such extreme outrage. That's that's that shows you everything, in my opinion. I get he says, I get it's a sensitive issue for many. But there should be an ability to ask questions and wonder about why a healthy young man would experience such an event. Obviously, Katie says, I got death threats for asking. He said he did, too. I, I don't need to tell you the kind of stuff that I get. I think you guys know. 
I get stuff like this all the time, regularly, emails, messages saying that I'm, you know, you know, I don't, it doesn't mean to get into it. I don't want to give them any creed. The point is people threaten and act out to me all the time because they're, they're threatened because they're scared because the reality is they don't understand what's going on. So they lash out at what they don't understand. The reality though, is that we have every right to ask these questions. James Lim, MD, points out those in the died suddenly crowd trying to tie Dharma Hamlin, you know, Dharma Hamlin's, uh, that's weird. Anyway, to, to collapse to the injection or vial. You see, now this is where the whole died suddenly overlap comes in, right? Because as we many have come to understand, whether it was by accident or by willful manipulation, the whole died suddenly documentary does more damage than anything else. Sadly, there's, a, I say sadly, it's sad that that's happening because there's a lot of things in there that are very true. Most, pretty much every doctor speaking on the record, there's telling you things that are verifiable. But of course, the way that it was produced and using information and, you know, using the, the video of taking out a clot that turns out was from 2019 and, you know, things like that, that very clearly are used to debunk the whole thing, even though you shouldn't be able to debunk the whole thing because a lot of it is true. Or the fact that died suddenly in quotes used to be able to be searched on Google and you could find an endless list of people that are dying suddenly, which is why you use it in quotes, you know, to search for it exactly. Ultimately, you can do that when you put words in quotes, it searches for exactly those terms in everywhere it can find it. That used to be a way to prove to people, look at how many people are dying suddenly. Well, guess what? When you, guess what happens now? You guys know this. You search for died suddenly. Well, you get nothing but critiques of the movie and, and ha, you know, debunk this and fake news that. And, you know, you get a couple intermittent points in there. But sadly, that whole point now has been buried due to that very clear kind of, you know, the problem is that this now gets lumped on. So anybody's simply going, could it be? Well, now you're part of that, which is usually how this works. Whether it was intentional or not, I think that's part of the game as usual. But let's not forget that it's not just this one individual. I'll play the videos at the end. We'll talk about a lot of this stuff. And it, it's obvious this has been over, ongoing. And it's very concerning. But this is, uh, I forget how to pronounce his name, Uche Nawaneri. Uche? I, I forget. But this is a former NFL guard who died at 38. Acute heart failure. Now, again, we don't know. We don't know for sure. Could be any number of things. But one of those could be the shot that causes exactly that. How could it not be a possibility when we know they've admitted that it can cause that, right? I mean, this is basic stuff. Now, it's important to understand this is what he tweeted at one point. Okay, so let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running ASAP. We seeing children die daily from the unvaccinated selfishness. Pregnant women at risk too. My God. Pr protect life, mandate the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. And now he's dead, which is very sad. Now, I don't know if it's because of that. But we are allowed to ask the question, no matter how insensitive you may think the truth is. Truth being that it's possible. Acute heart failure. Now, it says he tragically died after being found unresponsive at his wife's home. He was 38. It says he uh, received a call around 1 a.m. stating that he had collapsed in the bedroom. So it's weird the way it says he's found unresponsive. But then the report was that he collapsed in front of them. That just seems interesting. Unfortunately, couldn't be saved. Now, it says the... Coroner tells us, well, official cause hasn't been determined. How is that? It's just amazing how we just act like we don't even need to be told. I mean, like it's, it's the point is he died of an enlarged heart with acute heart failure. Now, of course, I need, something else could have caused that. But we are hearing everything about how that's exactly what we should be hearing and looking for. And they just don't want to talk about it. Now, on to the science itself, just so we're clear about this, just to make sure it's important to continue this. What we just discussed is obvious. It's obviously one of the culprits. I, I think it's pretty obvious that it's likely the cause. 
But the only reason that they don't want to talk about this is because they're convinced, as Mr. Hotez would tell you, that simply asking valid questions is terrorism. More so than actual global terrorism. As he calls it, vaccine activism aggression is killing more people than global terrorism. That's not, I'm not making that up. That is what he wrote in Nature, a science publication. But how about we make sure you guys realize that that's absolutely not true. The fact is, as this recent show we just did, peer-reviewed studies find, and also written by the Wall Street Journal, by the way, that COVID was always less deadly than the flu from the very beginning to now, and that the injected are far more likely to get sick. Now, factor all of that in with the argument that these things are helping people. Here is the Wall Street Journal. Simply, you know, now beginning to acknowledge that, yes, the injections are what are causing variants, but that's not the main point. There's two main points in here. The New England Journal of Medicine study published last month provides more evidence of the vulnerability caused by immune imprinting, basically saying that neutralizing antibodies, when you take the bivalent injection, were 26 times lower against XBB, which is currently what's happening. Then they say four times lower against they basically the then this is the way they write this is so confusing. They were neutralizing antibodies of people who received a bivalent were 26 times as high against the Wuhan variant as they were against the XBB, as four times as high against the Omicron. But then it says similarly, a study this month in the journal Cell found that antibody levels of people who have received four shots were 145 times as high against Wuhan as XBB. Just so it's clear, what they're saying is it's 145 times less with XBB. They just have to frame it in a way that makes it confusing and sounds like it's the other way around. But the main point is what it says right here. Workers who had received more doses were at higher risk of getting sick. That's in the Wall Street Journal. And yet that's supposed to be fake news right now. And by the way, it's not real because they say it's real. It's real because you can prove that. We've been proving it since the UK data made that clear. Everything everywhere can make this clear right now. The, the, the peer-reviewed science is proving this. Those who received three or more doses were 3.4 times as likely to get infected. How in the world does this make sense with what they're pushing right now? Those who received two shots were 2.6 times as likely. You're more likely to get sick if you take these injections. And it gets worse the more you take. Then we know that the severe adverse reactions are worse the more shots you get, which was a new peer review. Or actually, I believe it was a preprint, is now finding. We have the study here that makes it clear. This is called September 22nd, 2022. It's called Special Adverse Events of Special Interest, Serious, excuse me, Adverse Events of Special Interest Following mRNA Vaccination. And it finds, using Pfizer's own data, by the way, which is amazing. So apparently Pfizer lied or just got it wrong because we, I think we can assume we know which, based on their track record, it's easy to, to, to uh, guess that what they're into. The fact is they've lied many times verifiably throughout history. So when their study is done and they go, here's what it shows. And then scientists go back through and do a second look at it and go, that's not even remotely what it actually shows. What do you think happened? Here it says the mRNA vaccines were associated with an excess risk of serious adverse events of special interest of 12.5 per 10,000. The Pfizer trial exhibited a 36% higher risk of adverse events in the vaccine group. You have a 36% higher chance of getting, you are getting hurt by these things. The risk difference, 18 per 10,000. When you do the math, it comes out to one point, I think 555 or one in every 555. 
The excess risk of serious adverse events found in our study points to the need for formal harm benefit analyses, not pharmaceutical company run, but an actual harm benefit analysis analysis. And the point being that what we're seeing is that it's way more damaging than they want you to understand. That's what's happening. These things are causing these problems. Myocarditis being one of the most obvious. And then we have the Ioannidis group or this Stanford university, John Ioannidis and the, the peer reviewed version of what we already discussed, age stratified infection fatality rate. And the main point a, at a global level, pre-vaccination, so before any vaccinations were given, the, the death, the, the, the risk of dying from whatever we're telling, telling whatever COVID-19 is, it was 0.03 and 0.07. Really, 0.03 for under 59, 0.07 for under 69. That's under the flu, guys. That's less than the flu. It always has been. This is peer-reviewed. The median infection fatality rate was 0.0003% for those under 19 years old. This is meaningless. You are giving this to people. Like, let's just take the, what we just saw. Okay, so he's 24. His risk of dying from COVID was 0.002. While the risk of getting myocarditis, just by itself, 1 in 5,000. Risk of serious adverse events, 1 in 555. Does that sound like the benefits outweigh the risk? Clearly, we're seeing that's not the case. Now, if you're wondering about, people would say, well, what about all the X, the deaths we're seeing and they're saying are caused by this? Well, here's how they're lying to you about that. Another ludicrously flawed modeling study published in The Lancet, this one claiming VAX program in Brazil, quote, saved the lives of at least 303,000 adults. Just look at how they defined who was the vaccinated case. This is what we keep showing you. And here's, this is the study right here. We define COVID-19 severe cases and deaths and vaccinated as those individuals with laboratory confirmed PCR or rapid antigen testing positivity at least 14 days after vaccination. So what that means is everything that happens within 14 days is called unvaccinated, which we know, according to Alberta and plenty of other locations, that the majority of the problems take place within that time frame. This is easily proven. So his point is they're gaming the system. Right. So they know they can do that. Outcomes with symptoms onset occurring less than 14 days were excluded. So the point is they are completely ignoring that people with injections or basically their, their argument that all of this is because of unvaccinated is a lie. And they know that. Here's the Alberta study we've shown many times. If it would load, it's on the way back machine. It's on the way back machine because they posted this and then quickly deleted the part at the bottom that reveals what we've already shown you. One, that all of them, Scotland was doing everything under 21 days, which is mind-blowing. And you'll see why when this finally loads. But, okay, here we go. So you go to the bottom and you'll find, as many of you guys have all seen many times, this is what you're seeing here is the spike in problems, or in this case, also before we scroll down, as you can see here, cases, hospitalization, deaths, either were unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks, which same point. So anything under 14 days, they dump into unvaccinated. Cases, Look at how many spike and happen within the first 20 days. The, the vast majority. Hospitalizations, far more. The vast majority. Over 80% happen within the first 20 days. Same thing here. Deaths. So all you're doing is hiding the vast majority of all the deaths, hospitalizations, and cases that happen within the first 20 days by dumping them all down and unvaccinated. And that's what he's talking about here. Professor Norman Fenton. Now he says, and it gets even worse 
if a person was vaxxed having recently had a PCR test and that any time after vax was seriously ill or died with the COVID, they were classified as unvaccinated. The unvaccinated groups were defined as individuals with vaccination records whose symptoms onset before the first dose of the vaccine. So they're gaming this. The way they do this, it def- it's, it's easy to be able to dump things that are happening or at least could be happening because of the injection into a different category. But then again, when you realize that the vast majority of that's happening in that time frame, this is a no-brainer. You, you align this with false PCR tests and all the other things that are happening, conflating flu and pneumonia with COVID. It's an easy reality to see. And just look at the vax who were excluded, he says. We excluded individuals who were vaccinated but lacked a record of the sta- vaccination dates. Why? Vaccinated but had inconsistent vaccination records. So these are all vaccinated people that you know are vaccinated, but you just kick them. To, what, it, this is gaming the system. Such as the discordance of first and second vaccines or lack of the record for this. They're gaming it, guys. Easy. Now, one point I want to make before we, I have a few points before we finish here, is sort of an overlap with the Twitter files conversation. There was one that came out that was meant to be a joke, and it was in kind of poor taste because of the timing. That it was a tweet that said that, that uh, DeMar was going to release all this information about the Clintons during the game, and then that happened. But then, of course, when you look at the date, it said June 3rd, 2023. Now, I quickly shared that. My point was not that I, the point was simply that a screenshot used like that can be shared rapidly now, or always has been really, but more so today because of the way we're engaging with screenshots, my exact point. And of course, that I did it quickly and I actually searched his profile and found that it wasn't there. And so I quickly shared it and said, you know, whether or not this is true, I think it is, I think it's not. And then it, the date was wrong. And so people were kind of missing the point. So I got rid of that one. The point here is that this is a tweet that circulated, a screenshot that circulated. This guy's account does exist. The tweet doesn't appear to be there. But it says, I recently administered DeMar Hamlin's COVID booster on 1226. And as a medical professional, I can assure the public he passed all screenings with flying colors. I am in contact with UCMC staff and will provide any assistance to them. Now, as this guy writes, and I completely agree, I think it has to be fake as a real doctor would likely respect confidentiality. But who knows today? The point, though, is that it's a screenshot, right? So the way we're engaging with Twitter files right now is that that's supposed to be enough, isn't it? Well, because, well, I mean, it depends on who posted this, right? But let's say Elon Musk posted a screenshot. Let's say Matt Taibbi posted a screenshot. How do we, you know, without any due diligence, people are pretending it's real. This, as well as everything else. I know this analogy really frustrates some people because they don't, they feel like you're chipping away at something they believe in. But the problem here is that this is how we're being trained today. Now, this, I believe, is fake. The problem is that this is happening a lot. And, and thank you, Cat Dirtier says, it's fake or real? Hard to tell sometimes, exactly. But then it gets shared and shared and shared. Like, you'll find quoted tweets, this rapidly spreads, and people aren't engaging with this as if we know it's fake. They're engaging with it as, let's see, when you get down to these. Yeah, see right here. Sad deal for sure, but not at all surprised. You know, like, people, are, this is just, well, it's probably real because we think so. And that's how this goes today. Here. Uh, Moose points out this person who claimed in a tweet that he vaccinated this person has now apparently deleted the tweet and his account. His cash Twitter profile leads one to believe that he may have been lying to combat rumors that DeMar wasn't vaccinated. Right. So now you get the argument about somebody who would do that to trick people like the anti-vaxxer crowd that they believe are ridiculous, even though many of us are being very objective like this into using that like many people actually did. Just to get you to fall prey to, you know, disinformation while pretending you're the one spreading disinformation. Think about how fun that is. 
But this one, this you can just see a Twitter file. It says uh, artist, data, scientist, and so on. Basically, just you know the, the information around it. But here's the actual account. It's gone. So my simple point is that we're at a very dangerous time right now where people are seemingly willing to engage with screenshots as if we can, as if that's enough. At the very least, based on the idea that people are arguing a screenshot is source material, then why wouldn't this be enough for you right there? Why even go any further? Because isn't that enough? We know that's not true. I just don't know why we can't apply that same logic to the Twitter files conversation. Now, this is still important because it's something. You could take this and run with it. You could look up his name. You could check with his account and you could find out it's not there. You could check to see if it was posted, right? So you can use it. It's not meaningless, but it's not the full picture. That's all I'm ever trying to say about the Twitter files. But I think we're being gamed here in a very obvious way with that specific play. And I think it's very alarming how people are kind of redefining what this stuff means in the field of journalism. In any case, also realize that we're constantly being gamed and manipulated, whether it's psychological operations or anything else, with things just like this. But to finish this couple, uh, actually two last points, I just read this the other day, and I just want to quickly go over this, not to read the whole thing. It's an old article from from January of 2022. But I don't think, unless I forget, I don't remember seeing this one. And man, this was ridiculous to me. It says, and this is from the Toronto Star, the unvaccinated cherish their freedom to harm others. Is that what we're saying? People, we, the point is that within your freedom, your rights rather, to make your own medical decisions, if they, which their point is that is what's harming people, that they then pretend that you're cherishing your freedom to hurt. We're not claiming we're hurting anybody. We're saying we have a right to make our own decisions. And you're warping that into whatever you usually want to. Wink, wink, here's what they mean. They're white supremacists or whatever kind of nonsense it gets warped into. But then the main, how could we ever forgive them? It's just so painful. Now, the article you could read it immediately. Will we ever forgive the deliberately unvaccinated? It's just, it's just so sad for having helped spread the disease. That's not what happened, as we're now proving. That disabled so many, devastating the economy. No, no, your lockdowns did that. Leaving many of us jobless and wretched. No, no, the government did that. Will we ever look on them gently when their casual choices left us unable to hold loved ones as they died? No, we didn't do that. How in the world does my choice over here affect you from not? The point is they're pretending that everything happened because you just didn't do what you're told. That's what they're doing now, too, by the way. Even as they admit the reality, they're still going to swing it around to it was always your fault for not doing what you're told. And that's why it's now not working. They'll give them the out. The people that want to believe they still made the right choice, that very fringe minority out there. They're going to give him the opportunity. You made the right choice. The only reason it didn't work is because that guy didn't do what he was told. And so they can all eventually agree, yeah, they're not working today, but it was only because of that guy or them and those kind of people. It's, it's an easy choice for these people to take that. But the problem is that they're blaming all of these things and it's really insulting. But here's the main point. Canadian journalists, perhaps out of civility, have hesitated to hit hard on unvaccinated patients. But the CBC reports that between December 14th and December 2021, or December 2020 and December 2021, one full terrible year. About 80% of the people hospitalized with COVID and 76% of those who died were unvaccinated. Well, it's not actually true. But they report this, sure, 70%. Here's the article. They also say the fervently unmasked attack the masked in public, often violently or racist terms. No, no, not even remotely. And we'll get to that in a minute. Again, the peer-reviewed science, the, you know, that the trust the science crowd are ignoring, that clearly finds that the vast majority, if not entirety, of discriminatory attitudes are coming from the vaccinated towards the unvaccinated. In fact, they literally argue that there's an absence, an absence of evidence, which I find that hard to believe. I, I, there's got to be some evidence of the reverse. 
I'll come back to it. I don't see it off the top of my head, but it's, uh, I'll, we'll look at it in a second. Right there. An absence of evidence the unvaccinated display that exact thing. But here's my point in this. Here's the, here's the article they're referencing. Inside an ICU where 70% of the COVID patients are unvaccinated. Isn't that interesting? So this, this star article is just, I mean, there's no way they don't know that they're lying about what that says. They're trying to warp this into the idea that this says that the entire area was like this from the entire time. This article, what they're saying, simply says this area, that right here goes on to say some hospitals are actually not seeing that same thing. <laughs> so this is one area that they use to hype up the entire thing. But my overall point is they're arguing that this was the case in a broad sense, that between these two, this year, that 80% of those hospitalized in Toronto, Ontario, were unvaccinated. Well, let's take a look at the data that they now hide from you. Now, first of all, you could take this back to January 1st, 2022. What you'll find is the vast majority of those in hospital in general were people fully vaccinated. Then you can come up here and realize that, okay, in this case, it's showing that the majority of those in the ICU at this time in January 2022 were unvaccinated. But guess what that also includes? started between zero and less than 14 days after receiving the first dose. Well, that's not unvaccinated. So explain for me the difference between partially vaccinated, which says the same thing, and unvaccinated, which says the same thing. That, that's called gaming the system. So this should be one. Unvaccinated should be nothing. How much you want to bet the majority of those are people that are in that category? I don't know for sure because they won't let you see that. But the reality is either way, that it's, at the, uh, at the very least, conflated with people that do have shots in their body. But then let's go just to the next month. Because understand, they're arguing the entire year that that's the reality. Here's what February looks like. That's a little different, isn't it? That's the next, next month. February 2022. Almost 75% of those in hospital were fully vaccinated. And at this, this looks what? Like 55% in the ICU are fully vaccinated. So the next month it shifts and they're acting like, okay, let's go to, let's go keep going. Here's June 15th. Well, look at that. This is the same year they're talking about. That's easily 75%. And that's including the fact that the unvaccinated versions of that still include the same thing, 14 days. And by the way, now they include two doses. It says symptoms started between zero and 14 days after receiving the second dose. That is Look, look, guys, when you click unvaccinated, it says not fully vaccinated. Let's click not fully. Let's, let's look at partially. Partially. Okay, what's the difference? They are trying to pretend unvaccinated are people with doses in their body, even with two doses pre-14 days. If you can't see how that's a lie and that's even changed from the beginning of the year, I mean, my God. But the point is, it's obviously the vast majority fully injected. Same thing, going to June 17th, which is pretty much the last day you can see it. Fully injected. So where's all the, where, the, they're just blatantly lying to you. This is Ontario data, COVID-19 vaccination data for 2022. How did they get away with these blatant lies? Well, oh, in this case, actually, I have it back. Well, dang it. In any case, it was I, I mixed up the points here. Where was it? This one? 2019. Yeah. So I, I got, I mixed up. So this one is referencing 2020 to 2021. I kept, I'm just, I'm the same point. I just was pointing to the wrong example. This is what I'm pointing at. 
where we're talking about 70% of COVID patients are in, un, they're talking about that general claim. And this is January, 2022. See my point? That, so that's what I was getting at. So just don't get confused by that. This was just to make the point about how they're claiming that you are somehow hurting everybody. This is what they used to reference that point. And this is stated in January, 2022 forward. My point is simple. That's obviously not the case. This is January. This is all the way to June, 2022. Well, today it's gone. That's why I have to use the Wayback Machine because they just stopped showing you that data because you didn't understand basics. Of t- no, it's obvious that this was op- that was clearly showing you what they were lying about, so they just stopped showing you. Here's another example of that, by the way. This is the data from just general in Canada, but what they do now is they the number of confirmed COVID hospitalized in Canada all the way from December 2020 <laughs> to September 2022. Well, gee including from September 2020, is going to include basically six months where the vast majority of the entire country were unvaccinated. So it's just a... So the point is that when you then realize that when you combine all these categories, that you're still looking about the same amount. There's 55, you know, pretty close. You combine these and you're pretty close to the same number. And then you realize that the probably easily half of this entire graph number there includes that six-month period where they were guaranteed to be unvaccinated when they're getting hospitalized for whatever they're claiming. The point is that that's a game. And now with, when you X out, when you go from when most, when the injections were giving broadly given forward, it's undeniable what they were doing to people. It's just a game of stats. Then you can realize based on this study that these people, and this, what they're talking about back to this, that you're somehow hurting these people, attacking them violently in racist terms because they're unmasked. It's the exact opposite, guys. December 8th, discriminatory attitudes against unvaccinated during global pandemic. Now, it simply says we quantify, uh, where was it? Right here. Across three conjoint experimental studies, we demonstrate that vaccinated people express discriminatory attitudes towards the unvaccinated as high as the discriminatory attitudes suffered by common targets like immigrants and minority populations. The point being, as I said before, the very people that seem to be pushing the idea that the unvaccinated are being the ones are the ones discriminating are the ones arguing that we're dealing with some kind of epidemic of racism and discrimination and acting like it's only the MAGA unvaxxers doing it. Meanwhile, they're apparently scientifically verified. So acting with the level of discrimination that they're acting like as a global pandemic in its own right. How hypocritical. But then it says, in contrast, there is an absence of evidence that the unvaccinated individuals display discriminatory attitudes towards vaccinated people, except for the presence of negative effect in Germany and United States. So there you go. It even includes the caveat. So clearly they're seeing some of it, but reality being, by and large, it's not what's happening. Just being lied to, as usual. Oh, and then by the way, I had to use the Wayback Machine to read this, right? So if you'd really want to be propagandized in this in such a disgusting fashion, well, guess what? You got to pay for it paying for your own propaganda or your own social engineering. <laughs> okay. So last couple points. I just want to reference this. I'm, I'm going to do a mask point. I need I haven't, I haven't revisited masks in a while. I feel like we destroyed that area right at the beginning. By the way, sort of like I felt we destroyed this conversation early on. We made it very clear. This was a valid point. That's why it's only, you know, now that it's resurging again, I'm, I'm going to revisit it, but it's been on this for a long time. But the point is, I re- will revisit the mask conversation, but y- this will blow your mind. This actually shocked me. This is from today. A German doctor has been jailed for illegally issuing mask exemptions. <laughs> and you're, this, this is really upsetting, actually. A German doctor was sentenced late Monday to two years and nine months in prison 
for what they're claiming is illegally issuing 4,000 people with exemptions from wearing masks. The court said they confirmed that he was con- the doctor was convicted of issuing incorrect health certificates. Why? Because they don't agree with the reasoning. Now, is it incorrect? Or are they just attacking this because this is a political game? Because, I mean, look, the point is that there's plenty of valid reasons. Simply, well, how, about, how about just the idea that you don't want... Look, not to make it abstract, cut right to the chase here. During the trial, the doctor argued wearing masks were harmful. You know why? Because they are. It's verifiable. The point is very, very, very clear. The stat, the peer-reviewed science before COVID, during even, and now is making it undeniably obvious. Even people that were towing the line before have now come out and said, well, no, those are bad. And yet here they are where this doctor is going, look, I gave him exemptions because they're dangerous and he's right. That doctor's going to jail for two years. My God, have people lost their way? In Germany is one of was bad. I just think this is alarming, guys. And this is the kind of stuff that we're going to see. It's a dangerous direction. Now, last two points to finish. I'm going to play this little clip here of the coronavirus strain causes double whammy of concern for Chicago epidemiologists. And then we'll finish with the point we just made to kind of wrap this up. Meanwhile, just in time for the new year, a new Omicron strain is spreading fast in parts of the country. CBS 2's Noel Britton is in the newsroom. And Noel, doctors here are concerned about this new variant. Well, Erica, all eyes are on the Northeast right now. This new strain already accounts for the majority of new cases there. And numbers in our region have doubled. By the way, isn't it interesting that when we were talking about this during the you know, the B4, B5 discussions and going, well, what's the, I mean, I, at the time, remember, I'm pointing at the variant list and I'm going, well, they're claiming XBB is rising rapidly. Why would you go out and get an injection that hasn't even been tested on people? that's <laughs> abstract from a different BA1 version. I mean, it's just wildly unsafe in and of itself. And then even more so because they're doing that. When we know that already we can see that it's going to shift. Why would you do that? The whole point, they made the B5 Wuhan version and just pretend that it works for BA4 as well was because they claimed the variants had changed and that was necessary. So now that we know it's changing, the point was simply, why would you rush out and get this when you know, well, there you go. And what they do, they shouted you down. You're crazy. You're dangerous. You're hurting people. And then here we are. It's And, and then people, it's like the Scott Adams argument is like, you just got lucky. Well, how, it's pretty interesting how consistently lucky we keep getting. And I wasn't saying I knew for sure. My point was simply that we this is expected like it's happened every other time before this. Now, other people like Gert Vandenbosch and other doctors and experts have been pointing out that this is what they are doing. Even the Wall Street Journal, again, is going, are these the ones causing variants? Yes, the science is pretty clear about that. So they're the ones creating the issue. They're the ones continuing to spread more and more. They're three to four times more likely to spread. And we just showed you three to four times more likely to get sick. If they've got more injections, we know the adverse events continue to compound and increase the more shots you get. I mean, everything, everywhere you're looking at right now, if you're being honest with the information, is showing you what the conspiracy theorists were trying to tell you the entire time. Yeah, maybe some of them were guessing, but some of us were engaging honestly with the peer-reviewed science that you were afraid to engage with because you were told that was a no-no topic. Speaking for people like Hotez and doctors, you know, quote doctors like that. In the last week. The name may be new. XBB15. But this COVID variant spreads in a familiar way. We've seen the prevalence increasing in the U.S. Epidemiologists like UIC's Dr. Katrine Wallace already know this Omicron strain well. What is this new variant? 
and why should we be paying attention to it? Now, just we already know that it's not more tr- it's more it's not more lethal. Every single time, because you know why? Because the more the test happens, they get less lethal and more transmissible. Just like all this conspiracy theory doctors told you in the beginning, and it's exactly what happened. And still, they're conspiracy theory doctors. Ask yourself why everybody is breathlessly engaged with this. Ooh, what's the next variant? I don't think they are. I think most people are like, okay, man, it's these are we, it's it's become white noise. One to the next, one to the next, one to the next. When not much is actually changing day to day right now. When in the beginning, it was like the world shifted. When Delta, different things, at least the way they made it feel. Well, they're, at, they're still breathlessly covering it. But I think even the people that were, you know, quote, on their side, many of which were coerced and forced and manipulated, are just like, you're done with this. They're done with this game of constantly pointing at the new variant that, that isn't more dangerous. So what are we talking about here? The unknown potential hype that may be causing fear, that may be worse, that could be... Your fear mongering. Sure, report it. New strain. Good. Next story. But to, to cover it this way, it's because this is this is the new Trump. This is the new. We're going to make a story. We're going to continue to beat this into the ground because fear and emotion sells. XBB15 seems to have a ability to evade and ability to evade our immune defenses, but it also has an additional mutation that makes it more capable to bind to ourselves. The CDC estimates the new variant makes up about 40% of new... Again, I mean, am I crazy? More capable to... Like, that's just... I mean, anyway, I, I try to nitpick on things like that because I make mistakes too when I'm speaking, but just the, she's speaking with improper grammar consistently right there. I just think that's interesting. Cases in the U.S., and about 75% of cases in the Northeast. At what point does it get your alarm bells ringing when you're looking at a, a new variant? In epidemiology, we look at the doubling time in the prevalence to see how fast a variant is spreading. And this one went from 20% last week to about 40% this week in the U.S. In Illinois and surrounding states, the new strain accounts for 6% of cases. And that percentage doubled in a week. My guess is that we will see the same growth here. The comforting news, if you ask Dr. Wallace, is that the updated vaccines target Omicron. Some data came (laughs) out last week in the New England Journal of Medicine showing that this bivalent booster significantly um, increases the antibodies against specifically XBB and some other variants. And Oh, okay. Well, let's fact check that. How about that? Okay, well, we just literally looked at what the Wall Street Journal was talking about when they actually cited the Wall- the New England Journal of Medicine and everything else in that you can look at for yourself. And what we just read it. What did it say? Remember? Well, first of all, realize the bivalent shot has been shown to be not in every way more dangerous. They're even grudgingly admitting this. It's increasing serious adverse, serious adverse events. It's not even lined up properly with whatever the antibody is supposed to be p- p- created. But she just said the new study shows that it's, have its cre- well let's let's be clear did she say more or just some effect new england journal of medicine showing that this back bivalent booster significantly um increases the antibodies okay so significantly increases which doesn't necessarily mean like let's say it's and by the way i find it interesting that she hesitated on saying the word vaccine and went to booster which is interesting it's not it's a new it is a new injection entirely but what's interesting significantly increases. So if it's 0.0001% of antibodies produced and it goes up to 1-2%, which is nothing, nothing meaningful, that's a significant increase, isn't it? Just to, just to understand how they tend to play games with this stuff, but realize that that's not even the truth. 
It's actually the opposite. Literally. It didn't significantly increase against XBB. The data shows us that it's the opposite, as we showed you here. And we can actually, the study itself, you can read in general and go through it. But the point is it's saying again, specifically, where was it? The XBB right here. The, uh, the, the, the antibody levels of people who received four shots, so people have four shots in their body, were 145 times as high against the original Wuhan strain. All right, so the way they're framing that is sound, they're, it's, it's as the XBB. It's XBB less is what they're saying there. And the reality is, by the way, the studies are completely backing this up, that what we're seeing is less waning faster, all of it. The evidence is undeniable, but here they are screaming the opposite with somebody who can't with this lady who I guess is just the newest person. A lot of the people out there, I argue right now that were previously the ones that were more competent are now becoming aware that they are wrong and they're not admitting that the people, but they're very, they're quietly like, I argue that's why people like this are being pushed out there or the professor of management is being used in advertisement to say, get the injection. They're safe. Okay, thank you, Professor of Management and Entrepreneurship. <laughs> Why would I trust? Where are the epidemiologists? Well, most of them now are like, well, I'm done with that. Because I think what's happening is that they're either embarrassed for making bad choices or becoming quickly aware that they're, this isn't as simple as conspiracy theorists. When you've got leading people in the world pushing back on this now. So you get people like this, they get trotted out. To just, you know, and, and hey, they'll take advantage. Why not? I want to be on the news. I want to be the prominent person. I want to increase my career. I'm not trying to diminish her. I don't, I don't know. My point is just that the reality being Less and less of these people are beginning to put themselves out there, and more and more of them are beginning to do so on the other side, meaning that they're questioning the validity of these injections because the peer-reviewed science is pretty damn clear. Now, I think it's obvious, guys, that they're hiding. They're running scared from what this is doing. If you're looking at statistics in regard to the athlete situation, it's undeniable there's a problem. So why don't they care about that? Remember in the beginning of everything we were talking about, like myocarditis, exactly. Their first argument was, no, it's no more than we would normally see in a given year. Well, that was a lie because we now know that they knew that wasn't true and they said it anyway. But the point is that they tried to sell you on that. No, it's just kind of the average amount we would see. Well, okay. Well, if that's the argument, that's like the basis for whether it's a problem or not. We're exponentially higher in 2021, in 2022. I bet you right now in 2023, <laughs> in three days, we're probably already getting up there. I'm not trying to make this up. My point is that these numbers, when you include not just professional athletes, are through the roof. But mark my words, just in a few months in, in, in uh, 2023, I argue, based on what we saw in the last two years, that we're going to see this get even higher. But 2022 alone, 2021 alone, is so much higher than the studies would say they should be. And yet the argument is you're a conspiracy theorist. The sad thing is that these people are allowing people to get hurt. And it really just kind of breaks my heart because children are getting hurt by this, but so too are pregnant women and anybody else, anybody, families, mothers, husbands. It's just sad. So I want to play two more clips on the way out here and I'll pretty much just leave it with that. Just questioning this, guys. We need to question this stuff. Plenty of experts are, are doing the same. It's obviously tragic that these doctors are dying, but I would paint a much bigger picture. Um, they happen to be doctors, um, but they are the canary in the coal mine. We're focusing on them because of a demographic that's easily identified. If you were, if you were to then um, 
calculate the number of Canadians who are dying in a similar circumstance, that number would be very scary indeed. This is the point I've been making about the Canadian doctors argument. It's it's an odd focus. It's still valid. I mean, the same point he's making is it's just kind of a it's just everybody. Right. I don't know why it's just the doctors. The point is, you can see this in pretty much any category you look at. You're seeing this rise in exactly this problem. But then we realize the overlap with the spurt, the spike in adrenaline is why we're seeing it more prominently in places like sports. It's pretty it's this is being very clearly shown, guys. And it, it that kind of number corresponds to what we're hearing, of course, with the the new commonest cause of death, at least in Alberta, which is described as SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. Which, by the way, is just a catch-all for unknown cause. That's what that actually means by definition. SIDS, SADS, they both mean we simply, we have no idea what caused this. I mean, look it up, just in case you don't think that's the case. The problem with that is that they then use that almost as a diagnosis these days. Oh, they died from SADS, which means they died from we don't know. It's just, it's sad. How can you then argue that's a diagnosis? It's very confusing, very manipulative. We also have things like MISC, which I, by the way, I haven't gotten to. There's a study that I keep going over, but that shows very clearly that this is not, we're seeing more alignment now with the injection in MISC than we are with COVID. Even, and they've just tried to shoehorn that in. And all it really means is multi-system inflammatory problems with children. It's an undefined problem, just like the rest of it. It's like things like fibromyalgia for that matter. Just, well, we don't know for sure, but we'll just call it these things. That's what he's talking about. That's alarming. Uh, it's, it's like a takeoff on SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, which has a different, different cause. But um, sudden adult death syndrome, of which these physicians are probably examples of, is now the commonest cause of death, at least in Alberta, where I live. That means more people are dying unexpectedly with no cause than are dying from strokes and heart attacks and diabetes, for example. It's- and again, if it's no cause, there's no way you can argue that it was some untreated cancer. That's the point they keep making is they just want to shoehorn, just lump this all into, well, the lockdown, they didn't get treated. Well, how do you explain that there's no diagnosable problem? Right. Even in the cases where they have heart problems, the point is they didn't have any pre-existing problem in most of these cases. Some of them, sure. But then even then we realize that that also could add to it. Well, that could, that's probably why it happened. But the injection is really the catalyst that caused it to be such a big problem or could have been. Just have to ask these questions. Never, ever happened before. When I was doing medical examiner autopsies 40 years ago, um, signing a death out as unknown cause was exquisitely rare it virtually never happened right there was almost always a cause of death that could be identified at autopsy and now of course we're seeing this enormous number um largely of course because um they've not been autopsied and that should be insisted upon yep yep we know, we know that they're hiding from this. And I'll leave you with this one last video and then we'll wrap up today. It is my duty and responsibility as a consultant cardiologist and public health campaigner to urgently inform doctors, patients, and members of the public that the COVID mRNA vaccine has likely played 
a significant role or been a primary cause of unexpected cardiac arrests, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrhythmias and heart failure since 2021 until proven otherwise. It's just so staggering to me that, you know, you could, you could argue he could be wrong, but just to pretend like that's just like what, that he's got, he's gotten fooled by a bunch of conspiracy theorists in their mother's basements. You know, it's just such a, it's such a low rung argument. It's just plain willful ignorance and it's sad, but we're breaking through to people guys. You are saving lives every single day by waking people up to what's actually happening. And that will come clear. I believe it already has. I don't ever think they're going to admit that they were wrong. They're going to try to, you know, manipulate this in a way to make it make some kind of argument like it was always your fault or whatever. But while we now it's no, it's now it's not working. It, the point is that as long as we can save people's lives in this first inter, this immediate problem, stop children from taking this, stop parents from forcing it, stop the mandates in general, and then work on the accountability for the people that need accountability because that's important. This this should never be something that just drifts into the background. This is easily the most catastrophic thing I think I've ever seen in my life. So stand up, keep fighting. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men bound to care. Blinded by the promises, unknowingly sold despair. So leave your herd of sheep and follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends. The world that you knew has changed around you, it's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Revolution Revolutions now It's happening all around you If you cannot see Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare So arm your fellow man Cause it's become destructive To its own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Revolutions now, it's 
It's happening all around you If you cannot see Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare To arm your fellow man As it's become destructive To its own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, you pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man. They become destructive to their own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are they ready for? Are they ready for?